Hey, Libtard, Donald Trump will never be impeached. You idiot. Go crawl back under the rock from which you came. Hillary Clinton should be in jail, you libtard. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Good day, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to episode 470 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the other host of the program, the lovely, talented, finally dry, Brittany Page. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about how I barely made it out alive today. (laughs) What fresh hell is this? Yeah. Rain! Well, and I... So, I'm not... Well, I was born in California, but then I moved to Idaho and I lived most of my life in Idaho and now I'm a Californian. And so I make fun of Californians. I wish we had like TikTok, TikTok music. Well, you know, there's some new people that listen to the show. Okay. You can't always operate from. I can always do anything. I please. All right, cool. So uh, (laughs) I always make fun of Californians who can't drive in the rain. I mean, when it starts raining here, everyone panics. But today was actually. Yeah, let's 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 put a little context to that. Even when it like fucking sprinkles. Right. In Southern California. There's a panic. People lose their minds. They can't drive. Today wasn't a sprinkle no today was a very intense uh <laughs> all day rain. yeah there was a flash flood warning the streets were flooded i was driving on main roads that have three or four lanes and i was in the middle lane and there was water coming up on the sides of my car like up above yeah, my windows yeah, in yeah. the middle lane i mean it, because since we never get rain here there's the, nowhere for it to go. Yeah, the systems aren't really built for handling that much rain. I think what happens is is like storm drains and shit get clogged yeah. with leaves and dirt and just random shit in there. Mm-hmm. And then when it does rain, then it's clogged. Yeah. And the water just fucking freaks out. Yeah, well, I also saw a makeshift storm drain, which was makeshift. Yeah, I I drove <laughs> under the under the freeway, and there was a pillar holding up the freeway, and at the bottom of the pillar, there was like a crack in it, and water was just shooting out of this oh, crack yeah. <laughs> because it the water's trying to figure out where it needs to go. Yeah, it's just a. Uh... Path of least resistance. Yes, but we survived. There were cars underwater, actually, in in Orange County. Um, that's how bad the flooding was in some areas. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was actually. I love it. Pretty serious. I love it. I had the front door open this morning and was riding mm-hmm. and. In your element. I well, I like it when it's cold. Yeah, the cold weather is definitely nice. Although that's another thing that Californians uh, typically are not happy about. Because when it gets 60 degrees, that is real cold. Yeah, it was low 50s the other night. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I, goddamn, what a what a groundbreaking, award-winning intro segment this is. 
Uh, the other night we went to ramen and it was in the mid fifties mm-hmm. or low fifties, mm-hmm. and uh, I was getting weird looks because I was in shorts and flip flops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had people say shit to me before, like, "Well, something blah blah blah." It's cold. Well, I'll I'll worry about what I'm wearing when it gets cold because mm-hmm. it's fifty degrees isn't cold. You can barely see your breath when it's fifty. Yeah, and that might even I don't know. Depend on atmospheric conditions. Mm, I know all about that. I'm Let not me tell a scientist, <laughs> Brittany. I don't know if you know. Oh. Not a scientist. Well, that's okay. You can still give your opinions on things. Maybe you'll be called to be on a panel about climate change. Oh. I hear that they prefer people who aren't scientists. Yeah, especially on certain networks that may or may not end up being asshole of today. Mm-hmm. Today. Yes. A little... A little, a little teaser. Yeah. <laughs> Although they could probably just go read the show notes and and see it there. Oh, that's true. The title of the episode. Now, I do want to read an email because we forgot to read it last time when we were talking about the issue with names. And specifically, this is something that you talked about, Jesse, with the first and last names. The same first and last name. Yeah, like William Williamson mm-hmm. or... I think I said Jeff Jeffson, but mm-hmm. you know you know what I mean. Brad Bradford. Yeah. Well, we got an email from Jill, and she very much agrees with you. W- hang on. Jill from Denmark. That is correct. This, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. uh, deserves <laughs> a little bit of fanfare. Isn't this usually reserved? This is normally my toot the own my own horn uh, music. However, apparently now it's also when Jill agrees with Jesse Horn. Well, it's the only fanfare thing I have on the board handy, and I just thought to play it. Yeah. Jill never agrees with me. Jill usually about as politely as any human being can possibly do it stretches open my mouth and takes a big Danish dump right into it. Mm. <laughs> All right, so she wrote, hey, <laughs> hey, Jesse, I am writing because for once I agree with oh, you. See, even she says it. About the all-important issue of funny-sounding repeat names. I think that was a dig. The all-important <laughs> issue. The first time I heard about someone named Hans Hansen or Jens Jensen, I started laughing and thought it was a prank. But none of the Danes seem to share my sense of humor on that point. And I have since discovered that it is quite normal here. There is even a former conservative politician named Bent Bentson. (laughs) So anyway, even though your comments are culturally insensitive toward my adopted countrymen and women, I still find the idea of repeat names comical and salute you for daring to say it. Daring to say it. Note to Brittany, a little help with interpretation as you usually read the mails. Very dry irony. Jill. <laughs> did I did I do it right, Jill? I hope so. I hope I read it with the right tone because yes, we know, Jesse. I still feel shat upon. You do? Even though she's agreeing with me. Yeah. Well, that's nice that she finally agrees with you, right? <laughs> we love we love us some Jill. Yeah, we for sure love Jill. And also, I think it's I think it's great because we're also going to be playing a voicemail a little bit later on <laughs> from someone who doesn't like the show very much. And <laughs> that is really okay. But it, I want to say, if people are new to the show or new-ish, you're going to hear things that you you don't 
agree with. And what? Yeah. No. I know it's shocking. <laughs> um, and I think that I think that there are better ways to handle it than freaking out and calling us stupid and being hateful generally. I think we could all be a little better at that, right? As long as people aren't being bigoted or advocating oppression, if maybe they're just a little ignorant or they just fundamentally disagree with you on something that's not that important, um, I think we should still be able to form relationships with people and move forward. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Yeah. So let that be the lesson of today's show. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So last time on the show, we I made reference. I don't even remember what it was about, but I made reference to, oh, it was the, 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 the slime, the edible slime. Yeah, we talked about the, the slime that That's you play right. with and you pull it apart. And now Jello is making the edible slime so you can play with your slime and then shove it in your face. Right. And I said that really the only interactive snack food is is you know off the cuff i said the only uh, interactive snack food is is like string cheese mm-hmm. well we, we got a call and someone is explaining how i'm wrong hello jesse and Brittany. Uh, so i was just uh listening to you guys talking about the disgusting disgusting idea of uh edible slime from jello and how what nasty little petri dishes children are um, so, uh, Jesse said that the only interactive snack food that he can think of that is acceptable is string cheese, and I'm sorry, Jesse, I think you're missing out on a whole range of snacktivities that includes things like peanuts and sunflower seeds, which are more, far more activity than they are snack. So, I just, you know, I want you to keep in mind that there are many foods that you can play with healthfully and safely without actually, um, you know, risking getting getting disgustingly ill. There are plenty of snacktivities out there. Anyway, thank you guys. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. They have, like, those fun dips. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I know. Those. I for sure was wrong. That It's not the only interactive snack food. Yeah. Nuts being... Chief among them, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sunflower fan. Sunflower seed guy. Yeah. Um, can I say that uh, despite the noble efforts of the caller to to have snacktivity uh, take off as a thing, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going to happen. No? I like it. <laughs> Brittany. Yeah? Do not start with the snacktivity. Uh, guess what? <laughs> that sounded like a dare to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and also, can we talk just for a moment about mm-hmm. children are vile little petri dishes? Yeah, well, and yes. It's not. It, listen, it's not a, a knock against them. It's just unaware, for sure. And I that that it was not my situation. Although my aunt tells me a story which horrifies oh, me. Oh, you mean you were fastidious even as a child? Yes. Mm. Um, although my aunt tells a story about one time where I was eating a sucker and I dropped the sucker on the ground and I picked it up and blew on it and then started yeah, sucking on who, it again. Who hasn't done that? Okay. Well, I may have done that last week. 
the blowing on it is very ineffective once it's wet. That is not going to. I don't know. Seems <laughs> seems to be like a fool a foolproof method to me. Yeah, but my the old wipe it on the jeans. Yes, you my know. my mom was very clean, and we were not allowed to touch railings on the escalator. We couldn't touch the elevator yeah, buttons. A lot of this is stuck with you. Oh, for sure. Like it has. We, we, we go to the mall or wherever there's an escalator. Listen, you don't need Anytime to Anytime I put my hand down, it's like a, a full alarm goes off. Yeah, well, and then you see kids and they're rubbing their hand down it all the way. Yeah, you. you uh, oh, I've seen kids like actually maw on it with their little grubby mouth. All right. Oh, it's That's enough. When I see children like in a mall, or I'm just using the mall because it's on the brain, but any place where there's like a handrail where hundreds, if not thousands of people put their dick meters all over the handrail, and then I see a kid just slobbering all over it. Oh, God. Just think about what is tr- what's being <laughs> no. transferred back and forth no, there. No, 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 no. No. No good. Yeah, it's really, that's, yeah. And again, children are for sure Petri disses. They are just, they are... They're carriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- th- they're going to be what sparks the zombie apocalypse. Well, well, and we're picking on kids right now, but it's also adults that are like this, too. I know that kids are just unaware, and but adults should know better. And I've seen many adults in public just cough into the air. And Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, but you've seen adults eat their boogers and there's right. some pigs out there. Kate, let's Kate, what are we doing here? We're having a conversation. I don't like it. I don't like it. Are you getting grossed out? I'm getting not feeling good about this. Yes. I'm not talking about like. Hey, come on. Don't start. (laughs) Don't. Don't. All right. Well, the other topic we talked about last episode was uh, maybe it's cold outside. Yeah. So this was our. Maybe what's in this drink. Yeah. This was our attempt at doing. Um. A funny little segment with like lightheartedness and talking about both sides of the um, the issue. I think most people got it. Yeah, yeah, most people got it. Let's read an email and let's get some voicemails about it. Okay. So this is from Michael. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I want to respond to Baby It's Cold Outside being pulled from the airwaves of a Cleveland station and now some Canadian stations as well. I've heard this song for a while and I really like how it is a call and response duet. I've never really paid attention to the lyrics that much before. And yes, parts do sound problematic, especially now during the Me Too era. I think this is a case of a popular Christmas or winter, since it doesn't mention anything related to Christmas song that has not aged well. Take the line, say what's in that drink. Today, it means a possibly spiked drink that precedes a rape. But back then, the line would have been used as an excuse. People used alcohol as an excuse for behavior that may be unusual. She is asking if there is nothing in the drink because it can be used to excuse having premarital sex. This was a time when, quote, good girls were expected by society to reject all sexual advances by men, whether they wanted to have sex or not. This is further evidenced by the girl talking about her relatives are going to think bad of her, but she never says how it will make herself feel bad. 
Interpretations by people are always different, and the intent of the songwriter may differ from what listeners get out of the lyrics. I've heard some say that if something requires a lot of historical context, such as this song, it should be time to let it go. Context is very important for understanding how the songwriter intended the work to be, or else it could be interpreted in many unintended and sometimes offensive ways. Shakespeare's works require context to understand the motives of the characters, for example. I also think that priorities are all messed up. There are so many rap songs that have misogynistic lyrics in them, using terms such as bitch and hoe and sexually objectifying women, yet a classic winter song is getting all the criticism right now. Whether a radio station takes this off of the radio or not won't affect me much. There are many other Christmas songs I can listen to, and as Jesse stated, I can go online to listen to Baby It's Cold Outside whenever I want. Pause. This is something that happens very often and I hope I'm not wrong about this but I'm I'm 95% sure that I said that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, th- that is 100% true. So it's in- That is your point, not mine. I mean, it's not important, but it's just funny to me because I'm scared that one day something you say is going to be attributed to me. <laughs> And I just hope that people can get it figured out. Before I that actually happens. hope that does happen. <laughs> okay, I please. Um, okay, Michael continues. But taking a but taking a popular Christmas tune off the radio might cause other charts to be taken off, even if they barely pass the societal norms of 2018 and 2019. I hate it when conservatives say stuff like political correctness gone too far, but I do think this is unproductive and it loses sight of the original goal of Me Too, which is to weed out sexual harassment and assault. There are ways of accomplishing that without restricting the arts. I love and appreciate what you guys do. I get really excited when I see a new episode on iTunes, and I enjoy your takes on issues, even if we disagree. I think we can all agree that Jesse is a sexy beast, but, but, but Brittany is absolutely the best part. By the way, I know you like Earth, Wind, and Fire, but do you like Queen? Michael. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. As Jack Donaghy would say, I have two ears and a heart, don't I? <laughs> Jack Donaghy did say that. The answer is yes. I do like Queen. And uh, thank you. Yes, and thank you. I I guess. (laughs) Are you saying thank you about the comment about me? No, I'm saying thank you about the comment about me. You can take care of yourself. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that. Yes. Um, I hope we did that segment justice. I hope we did it in a... I hope it came across in a lighthearted funny yet pointing out the weird shit about the, the song because uh, listen I, I don't buy all of the the explanations that i've been hearing mm-hmm. like, they may be true i just i don't buy them and it doesn't mean the song has to go away it, it doesn't but mm-hmm. it is funny to point out that back in the day ladies were treated a lot differently than they are now and a lot worse mm-hmm. you know yeah because even if even if we are to take the explanation that it is kind of highlighting how women had to operate, mm-hmm. making excuses or um, not being able to be free and liberated sexually. Right. Even if that's the case, huh, you know? Yeah, well, everyone's having that conversation right now, too. Also, Wait. let me say this about the song being banned. I don't know exactly how it came about. But uh, it seems to me that they made a deal about we're banning the song 
they got a whole bunch of press over it. Right. Because if they had just decided, oh, we're not going to play that song and then didn't play the song, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have made a big deal. Well, so I don't care about the song at all. And like, I knew nothing about it, really. I mean, I knew it existed. I, I knew roughly that it was a thing, but um, <laughs> I don't really care about it. And so now that we talked about it, I'm so it's hearing- like Turkmenistan. You know it exists, but you just don't really give a fuck. Sure. And (laughs) I have been hearing it now when I go out because we talked about it. So now it's in my mind. Trader Joe's yesterday. I heard it at Trader Joe's. I heard it in another place. I forgot where I was. But now I'm like hearing it everywhere I go. So It's like when you buy a Volkswagen and then all of a sudden everybody you see is a Volkswagen. Yeah. this People are talking about this. That happened to me in high school. That's why I said it. Yes. Uh, people are talking about this. Is it, is it going too far? Everywhere I go, I'm still hearing it. Trader Joe's is playing it. It's it's not banned. Yeah, liberal ass Trader Joe's. People aren't setting it on fire. You know, yeah. we're we're fine. And I understand that people are sensitive to the criticism that it's receiving because they feel that is going too far. Uh, but really, I've I've seen people like dedicating hours of their day debating this on oh, Facebook. God damn, that is. Better shit to dedicate some time to. Yeah, and our goal there was to talk about both sides of the issue and kind of do a little playful bit about about the yeah, controversy. Not everything's on. life and death. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we appreciate the email for sure, Michael. Um, thank you so much. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. It's Jeff from Ohio. I was just listening to episode 469 on your segment on Baby It's Cold Outside. And... Hearing the people who are offended by that song, you have to look at things through our modern lenses. Now, I know the song came out over 70 years ago, and I first became aware of the date-rapey aspect of the song about four or five years ago, when you really stop and listen to the lyrics. And the people who are upset about this, I'm curious, were they that upset when Bodies by Drowning Pool was pulled after 9-11. Now, that song came out in May of 2001, and then several months later, 9-11 happened. Sorry for the pause there. Collecting my thoughts. Um, You know, something terrible happened, and we looked at that song in a different light. I feel the same as with Baby It's Cold Outside. It was written probably innocently 70 years ago, but now we look at it in a different way. And I like Brittany's point about if it totally ruins your holiday by not hearing it, you can go on YouTube. There were a couple years where I never heard I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, and it did not impact my holiday whatsoever. (laughs) So thank you guys for all that you do. Keep up the good work. And Brittany, you are the best part. Thanks. Love the show. He said that. Brittany's the best part. He said that definitively. <laughs> yeah, I really felt it. That wasn't even like a, a robotic thing that just people say. Yeah. That fucker means it right there. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you. So let me let me let me say something. We have something more lighthearted to say before I get into the bodies hitting the floor, nine eleven aspect. No, I'm just I'm gonna look up that hippopotamus Christmas song because I want to hear it now. Want a hippopotamus for Christmas? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I do. Know. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the real lyrics. I know that's kind of the tune. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'll be chastised for that. But um, <laughs> l- let me say, you kind of brought something up that just that kind of uh, uh, um, appeared to me. It occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Kind of appeared. 
And that is... Am I doing the Rush Limbaugh thing with the papers too much? You are. Put them down. Nah. So, uh, after 9-11 and that Bodies Hit the Floor song, who did he say sang it? Whoever it is. Yeah. The Bodies Hit the Floor song because of the people jumping out of the buildings on 9-11 and that song had just come out and then there was consternation over it. That's the song that they dub... Drowning Pool. That's what he said. That's the song that they dub over like video of that pastor... Getting the demons oh, out of people, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. And the, the the exorcism guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, or or Benny Hill, where they get they yeah, get yeah. slain in the spirit. Phones going off all over the place over here. So, um, what I'm saying is, I think that there is something justified in giving a song a break, especially in light of, like right now, Me Too is super on everybody's mind. So. If it causes people some distress to hear the song and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I could see it in 9 11, putting, putting that song on pause for a while. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if really is causing people some heartache, why the fuck not? Who's it hurting? Mm-hmm. But in the case of, uh, I don't know. Well, I just think it's funny because a lot of these conservative or intellectual dark web types complain about yeah, yeah. complain about the conversation that's happening right now because they say, oh, this political correctness, you can't say anything. But they're the people who want to talk everything out. I mean, they want to dedicate a substantial amount of time to platforming people that have terrible ideas because we need to talk about things, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So why wouldn't we spend the time talking about the song? Why isn't that worth the conversation? Why is it shut down by, oh, you're triggered. Oh, it's PC. Oh, it's politically correct. But like Stefan Molyneux should have hours on mainstream shows. Or, you know <laughs> Exactly. No, um, that's great. That's a great point. So I think there is a little bit of hypocrisy there that's not being highlighted um, by some people who are, who are launching those criticisms. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you guys are welcome to get to uh, sit and listen to me try to work through thro- thoughts and then really not get to the end and really come to any conclusion. Yeah. That was real-time bullshit happening right there. Well, I was going to... And I'm s- still not sure how I feel about it. I was going to say... Because w- the, the element of you can just not listen is there. You could still not listen to the song even on nine twelve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think, see, it's worth talking about this. Yeah. It, it's not something that is just BS and who cares, yeah, right? I, I, I agree. I, I just think that there is, and I know you feel this way, that I think there's not enough focus on the well-being of people. And mm-hmm. how do they feel about it? Is it hurting them? Whether it even be a psychic wound or not. Mm-hmm. Is it causing them distress? Why the fuck wouldn't we care about our fellow man enough mm-hmm. to be concerned about that? So uh, I'm torn between those two sides. Yeah. Anyway, next you, call. That, you know, that's not okay, actually. I want you to choose a side <laughs> and you need to know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. This is Crystal from New Hampshire. Um, I'm a classically trained musician. I play the tuba, so... That's where I'm coming from with this. Uh, Baby It's Cold Outside is actually one of my favorite Christmas songs because it's a good duet. It's easy to sing with a partner, and I like to sing it with my boyfriend fairly frequently. Um, The thing that's interesting about the song, though, is the clip from the original movie is obviously manipulation. Ricardo Multiband's character is, is being very forceful and 
The woman is clearly saying she wants to leave. She is showing it with her face and her actions. Um, but also interesting is the second half of that clip involves a woman singing the Ricardo's part and um, trying to get a guy to stay. And no one thinks that's bad. Uh, no one's talking about how horrible she's being. She's doing exactly the same stuff. She's just obviously weaker. Um, I think if the song had always had the parts reversed like that, everyone would be pretty okay with it. It's not that bad because there's no physical force going on. Same time, it's just as problematic. I, it's just interesting to me that the original film from 1949 was obviously trying to make a statement about power and it was lost. And I'll just add that there are lots of classical pieces that are extremely problematic that are performed all the time. And the reason is because they like people like it. And we like it, so we keep playing it. Um, I expect Baby It's Cold Outside to continue to be a popular song. Um, hopefully people just have the conversation about what's okay and what's not okay. And now my dog is chewing on something, so I'm sorry if you can't eat the end <laughs> half of this clip. Don't worry about that. You guys are great. Thank you very much. Oh, that was good. We actually appreciate the dog slurping in the background, the dogs having a snack. Dogs, yeah, it's real life, man. Yeah, dogs got to do what they got to do. So um, it's interesting about the power dynamic. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, and I chose not to add, because the clip, that I, I I play right when they the, the male female power dynamic is happening, and then they juxtapose it, and the scene continues, and it's Red Skelton and some female comedian singer that I don't know, and and then they sing the song in a whole different room, again like she explained, mm -hmm. and um, I think there's less problem with it because of the power dynamic, when ninety nine point nine 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 percent of violent rape and assault. And coercion sexually happens, man going to women, not the other way around. Eh, it, you know, it's, it's just the way of the world. So thanks for the call. That was awesome. We appreciate it very much. And uh, I'm envious of musicians. For sure. It's uh, solid. So, all right. And uh, coincidentally enough, our last call is also from New Hampshire. And apparently he made this call from, um, he is a scientist with NASA because mm -hmm. he's apparently in one of their <laughs> high level wind tunnels. Yeah. So you'll, you can try to make out what he's saying as he's hating the fuck out of us. Never in my life would I consider calling a shitty podcast, but I just was so empowered I couldn't help it. I don't know if the two of you realize, but people like you who are so far left are the exact fucking reason why Donald Trump is the president. Come to the center a little, would you? It's a lot more comfortable than being an insane, judgmental, critical, blah, 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 every fucking thing you pow pow to. Huh? And uh, on top of that, the discussion you had about the song, I was it, Baby is Cold Outside? And the believe me, I'm not a huge Baby is Cold Outside fan. But just listening to the lyrics, that has nothing more to do with the fact that it's two people that want to fuck, but one of them has to go home because their family's going to be mad. Nothing to do about Bill Cosby and a drink. 
It's just two people that want to fuck that are young and has a fucking curfew. Seriously, come to the center a little, show the fuck out. You guys suck. Both of you are the shittiest part. <laughs> Not a huge baby it's cold outside fan, he says. I don't know that that guy's a listener to the show. Well, you could have fooled me. <laughs> So you took quite a bit of time out of yeah. your day to make the call. But I also want to say... I'm no fan of that sh- of, uh, that song at all. I got to defend it, though. But I'm going to spend a lot of time telling you how you suck for criticizing my favorite song in the world. It's like before Donald Trump was elected, and I saw a lot of people on Facebook posting, I'm no Donald Trump fan, but, but yeah, here's my but. lengthy defense of him. Yeah, I love how he said that we're judgmental and critical, but then we also kowtow. Um <laughs> So we're we're super judgmental and critical, but then we're also like servile in the things that we say. Yeah, yeah. And also, how in the fuck am I considered? Even you, how are we considered far left? Let me tell you, my far left friends would uh, beg to differ. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we we're playing this because we think it's funny, but we also want to give you guys kind of a taste of. <laughs> What it's like, I guess, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. talking and having your voice heard and making people feel unhappy because we know it's going to happen. We know it does happen. And you still kind of have to push through it. And again, thinking in public. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we thought this was funny. Um, and you just kind of have to get used to it. You know, you just have to get used to it. <laughs> You guys suck. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Furb Dog. Furb Dog. Yes, Furb Dog is the new Patreon supporter. Thank you. Um, you can. What his last name is also Furb Dog. Yeah. Furb Dog. Furb Dog. You can also support us by shopping on Amazon. Christmas is coming up, and Amazon sells things for Christmas. So if you want to shop, are they doing that again this year? Yeah. If you want to shop on there, then you can use the slash amazon link, and it will take you there. Yeah. Now, other ways you can support the show if you do not want to support us on Patreon, if you're not shopping on Amazon. Don't forget to like the Facebook page. I doubt it with Dollamore podcast on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Dollamore at Brittany E. Page at I doubt it podcast. Really liking the links on Facebook helps us a lot. Um, it puts the links in other people's feed. Um, sharing the videos that Jesse makes on Facebook are very helpful as well. It's a way to try to hack the Facebook algorithm because right. they don't share shit. Even if you follow the page. They don't they don't distribute that out to your own feeds. Mm -hmm. They're always begging us or coercing us to pay to to deliver our content to to the people who like the page. Right. So so if you want to support us in those ways, we would really appreciate it. That would be awesome. All right. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk about. Uh, the the death of George H. W. Bush just for a second. Yeah. Um, 
he died at like 94 this this week and we didn't cover it last episode because there was so much going on um but it was um it was heartfelt uh, the funeral and Donald Trump went there was controversy over that um a lot of pretty shitty hot takes online though yeah well and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about surrounding this is the reactions to it so my initial reaction when I started seeing those, as you called them shitty hot takes uh you're talking about people like posting a picture of him and then calling him a warmonger and all that kind of stuff yeah um my reaction to that at first was also that is inappropriate and i have done some reflecting on that initial reaction because i no longer feel that way i think uh for the most part and i'll get into what changed my mind. But I I think what was motivating that reaction, me feeling like that was inappropriate, was just the tradition of how we grieve people in this country. Yeah. And just generally how humans grieve and how they reflect on people's lives when someone has died. Typically, dead people are not attacked. And for whatever reason, um, even if they are They become angels. They become heroes. Right. And I think that that's just kind of the dominant discourse that we have. So I think that was the main motivation behind my reaction. Because I don't know a lot about George H.W. Bush. I, I don't know a lot about him. But what changed my mind, actually, is I read a tweet thread by Clint Smith. And a few months ago, someone asked me, like, which media outlets are my favorite. And I told them that I don't have favorite media outlets. I actually just have favorite people that I trust oh, yeah. and, and follow. And Clint Smith is one of them. Is that his Twitter handle? At Clint Smith? Clint Smith the third. Okay. Um, so, But Clint Smith, I, I, I. Correct. Okay. <laughs> and he tweeted, It seems more than appropriate that we remember politicians for the totality of their public life. It's not a matter of slandering someone after they've passed. It's a matter of being honest about both the good things they might have done in addition to the real harm they caused. Failing to tell the full story of those in public life once their lives have ended leads to revisionist history that has a material impact on the way we construct public policy. It's not a matter of being nice or mean. It's a matter of being honest. I've been reading a lot about Jefferson lately, and essentially for 150 years, this country has told a very specific revisionist story of who he was and what he stood for. It's a relatively recent thing that people are reckoning with the unsavory parts of his legacy. It's essential that we do. And so this really illustrates, I think, the harm in obscuring the negative parts of someone's life when they have passed and only emphasizing the good parts. I realize that it's difficult for regular people who are posting on Facebook to like do a full accounting of George H.W. Bush's life. Right. Yeah. Um, That probably isn't a realistic expectation, but certainly people in the media that have the resources to be able to do that should probably report in a more balanced way about what his legacy means. But I feel like you're making faces and moving in a certain way. So can I get your response? No, I'm not moving. I'm just um, I'm thinking about what I'm going to respond with. And it's I'm not necessarily talking about people who spoke negatively of George W. Bush. I don't have a problem with that because 
every president we've ever had has been flawed and did shitty, shitty things, along with some of the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Some very good men did terrible shit. Mm -hmm. And people revere FDR. Mm -hmm. And he created fucking concentration camps right here on U.S. soil for Japanese Americans. For Japanese Americans. Mm -hmm. He imprisoned them because of their heritage. Their, their, their prior nationality or an affiliation with that nationality. So I'm talking about people who were like, this guy's burning in fucking hell now. Those type of people. Mm. And I really just hope that Donald Trump hasn't inexorably and permanently sullied our politics in a way that if we disagree or we're a different party... It's like you were talking about at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. That that doesn't put us at odds. Mm -hmm. We just disagree. Now, listen, if it's a fundamental thing, like like people's right to exist um, and, and oppression, that's a different thing. But again, you also have to keep in mind, like I know people are criticizing uh, Reagan and George W or J George H W Bush on their response to the AIDS crisis, right? And I would say again that listen, it's. These men were very fucking flawed. They did terrible shit, but so did doctors. So did everyone, almost everyone in the world was freaked the fuck out by what they were calling, scientists were calling it gay cancer. I mean, that's just one issue. George H.W. Bush, not perfect at all. But is he burning in hell? Is it right to, to, to say that kind of put that kind of vitriol out there on the day of his death? Eh, I would say no. And I would say that it, it does scare me that maybe we've crossed a threshold. You know what I mean? I mean, especially on these issues like um, gay marriage and like you, like you said about oppression and, mm -hmm. and about liberties and freedoms for human rights. Mm -hmm. And let's remember Barack Obama wasn't a gay marriage guy until like 2012, Barack Obama, mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton was not. Mm -hmm. Nobody is perfect. And if if that's the metric by which you're going to judge a, a really a good and decent man like George H.W. Bush, then you better fucking squarely say that Barack Obama should be burning in hell too. That's all I'm saying. Well, and related to the the war comments, I've seen people also tweeting about Obama's use of drones. Yeah, and, for sure. And things Critical. like that. And so and he should be criticized for that. And so I think there is obviously some partisanship issues at play for sure. Right. Like there there always are. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about it because I think it's worth talking about the reactions that we had and maybe how they evolved and just kind of how, how people are thinking about that and reacting to it. Yeah. I used to, I used to feel um, the natural way that people feel, which is to kind of lionize someone. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've kind of had to adjust like you, you're talking about right now, because like when a guy like Pat Robertson dies, mm -hmm. there's really not a lot of good to say. He was probably a good family man. He was good to his family or something, but that doesn't that doesn't take away from 
all of the harm that that guy has done over his life, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to have shit to say about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not piling on. I don't believe there's a hell, so I don't think I'm not going to say he's going to hell. Mm-hmm. But we're for sure going to fucking talk about all the damage that was caused, all the hateful, terrible things that were said by this supposed man of God who has a following, mm-hmm. who he's he's just entrenching those beliefs into the psyche of the people who love and follow him. So I've kind of, I've come around on it too. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd be interested to hear what you guys think. If you still care, know it's kind of old news. So uh, 657-464-7609 or dollamore.com. Try to avoid recording in a wind tunnel if you can. <laughs> I mean, um, unless you're, you know, like that guy was working in the car wash. Yeah. If you can't get out of work, that's fine. Yeah. We, we if, get you're, it. if you're inside like the little car conveyor belt. Yeah. And the, the, the brushes are going. Mm-hmm. If you got a call, you got a call. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. So <laughs> I also want to talk about um, a comment that Michelle Obama made while she was uh, being interviewed about her book, Becoming. It is breaking all of the sales records. It's the best-selling book in only 15 days since it was published. It became the best-selling book. So yeah. that's awesome for her. Um, during this interview, she talked about how she still suffers from imposter syndrome that is crazy to me now this is michelle obama uh that we're talking about the former first lady the very accomplished awesome fantastic intelligent just beautiful ivy league educated uh, right I mean, yeah. um that she's talking about having imposter syndrome right where this is kind of the syndrome where someone doubts their accomplishments and, and their their experiences and feel that maybe they're like a fraud, that they're going to be exposed as a fraud, that they're not good enough, that they're not capable. So listening to Michelle Obama articulate this was really powerful. And at one point during the interview, she said, uh, giving advice to young women, quote, I have been at probably every power t- powerful table that you can think of. I have worked at nonprofits. I have been at foundations. I have worked in corporations, served on corporate boards. I have been at G summits. I have sat at the UN. They are not that smart. <laughs> I love her. Yeah, I loved this because I have... So growing up <laughs> with the background that I did, uh, neither of my parents graduated high school they were both high school dropouts in like 10th grade my dad can you give like a just a brief one or two sentence recap for those of us those those listeners who may have just joined and don't know your insane hashtag raised by wolves background that's what i'm doing my dad got his ged in prison the same year i graduated high school and uh so now now i guess one of my parents has a ged um but i was always very so were they or were they not organized white supremacists that's what i'm saying yes okay that's the part i was wanted to say okay well i'm talking about it specifically as it relates to education but okay in addition to the to the lack of education that my parents had yes white supremacists all that stuff yeah i mean because it kind of puts into context like the class system you were in you were that's low rent you know white trash as you you said one time you were told and yeah for sure um so i grew up feeling very enamored by adults that i thought were quote unquote normal i was very intimidated by people that came from normal backgrounds i was very embarrassed and ashamed of the background that i came from and i still feel that 
sometimes today, even when I'm in the circles that I'm in, because as I've climbed the academic ladder, (laughs) I've had to deal with it in new situations, you know, like starting grad school and being in a graduate program with people and having the background that I do versus the background that other people have and feeling that imposter syndrome, but then realizing that everywhere you go, there's a lot of people that don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that has been a pattern over my life where although I have had imposter syndrome and I have been fearful of people finding out that I am not smart enough to be in the room, that actually like other people are also not probably smart enough to be there. (laughs) And that maybe many of us are winging it and trying the best that we can and trying to climb up from where we came. So I I think it's a a real problem. And I think it's fantastic to hear someone as accomplished and powerful as Michelle Obama speak to this and put it out there for young people who may be feeling the same thing that I did when I was young. Yeah, I think it's, um, I would challenge some of the language you just used. I don't know if you, it was unconscious or not, but you said that you know, you you stated it almost as fact that you're not smart enough to be in the room, but other people aren't smart enough to be there either. And I would I would have I would challenge the way that the phraseology was was there that it's you are smart enough to be there. You absolutely are. Whether you feel that way or not, you've proven your worth and your intellect. I mean, just on the show over the course of over 500 episodes, you've You've proven that, but also through um, your published works and your academic record. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I didn't mean to phrase it in a way that oh, I was okay. shitting on myself. I didn't mean to do that because I certainly recognize and give myself credit for coming from what I do and making it to where I am. Yeah. But but that, and I certainly don't give myself complete credit for all of that. But again. That's why I think it's important for people who have experienced imposter syndrome, for people who have overcome obstacles to talk about them, because growing up, I didn't hear a lot about it, you know, and and I didn't have a lot of people reaching out to me and saying, like, like teachers, I know your background and I want to help you or I want to hear about it. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, and I, I try to do that with my students. I try to talk to them about their lives. I try to talk about things that are going on for them. And I think it's... You also model good behavior, like letting them know they're... I don't know. I don't know what that word is. Or I don't know what that is. Let's look it up. Let's learn for sure. together. For sure. And modeling that behavior is awesome. And I, I, wish, I wish more educators mm-hmm. would would do that. I wish I would have had that yeah, as a kid. I definitely, I take the position that I I tell them directly, adults don't know everything. <laughs> and yeah. you're going to ask me questions and I don't know. And I'm going to say that. I don't know. So you're going to hear me say it. Let's find the answer together. Let's work through it. Let's work out the problem. Um, and I think that's good because when I was young too, I looked to adults and I was like, oh, they know everything. They know better than me. I'm going to yeah. kind of sit here and listen. And no, they don't. <laughs> they don't. So <laughs> I think breaking that a little bit for kids is is good because kids have their own insights and their own intellect that they can and should rely on, especially when navigating situations with adults, I think. That is awesome. Yeah. And congratulations to Michelle Obama. For sure. Seriously, that's kick-ass. I mean, I, obviously, she's the first lady 
Um, so she's going to sell a lot of books. That's just a goddamn guarantee. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of books. Yeah, I think that um, Barack Obama is also writing a book right now. Yeah. And so it's going to be this competition between them to see. <laughs> His will probably do better. How dare you? <laughs> That's prick shit, bro. <laughs> That's prick shit. All right. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the first thing that we want to talk about, there's always so much going on and it's difficult to choose stories, but this is one that I think is pretty important and kind of flew under the radar. So this is Washington. So we'll get to Michael Flynn next. (laughs) (laughs) This is reporting from the Washington Post, uh, quote, a top White House appointee at the Department of Veteran Affairs sought to silence the agency's chief of diversity officer who, in the aftermath of last year's racially charged violence in Charlottesville, pushed for a forceful condemnation that was at odds with President Trump's response newly disclosed emails show. So do you kind of want to review what happened at Charlottesville just to remind everybody? Yeah, it was the the gathering of these alt-right ding-dongs who were ostensibly protesting the removal of Confederate statues, and it ended up being a white supremacy rally um, at which Heather Heyer was murdered by one of the attendants There were gunshots, there were Nazi flags, and in the aftermath, Donald Trump, there were said there were very fine people amongst the white supremacist and KKK members uh, and and literal neo-Nazis there in attendance. Mm -hmm. So these emails that the Washington Post are reviewing here were provided by a nonprofit watchdog group, American Oversight, and they obtained them through the Freedom of Information Act. Yeah, thank God for the Freedom of Information Act, man. So uh, David Shulkin, the VA secretary at the time of the Charlottesville event, he made headlines because he didn't agree with Trump or appeared to a not agree with Trump when he told reporters that the violence in Charlottesville outraged him. Of course, Donald Trump reacted by saying both sides were to blame. Yeah. And according to these emails, the uh, VA was pressured by leaders to issue a statement making it clear that the VA was against such, quote, repugnant displays of hate and bigotry by white supremacists, neo-Nazis and the KKK. Okay. Seems like standard fare. Easy enough. Yeah. Right. Um, basic, basic shit. Yes. So one person agreed that there was a statement from VA leaders that was necessary. Um, but the then and current VA chief communications official told the VA diversity chief that no statement was necessary and actually wow. actually told him to stand down. And so a person that was familiar with this dispute um, spoke to Washington Post and they said that he was actually enforcing a directive from the White House because at the time everyone was scrambling and panicked because of the response to Donald Trump's both sides comment justified response yeah. right and they didn't want government officials calling attention to the controversy that was currently going on so in the course of that because they want all hands on deck to provide this united front they're given space for nazis mm-hmm. they're they're allowing uh this kind of virulent violent racism 
to be given the go-ahead. Yes. A tacit approval Mm -hmm. by virtue of no condemnation. Yes. Uh, Fucking disgusting. Yeah. And so it's pretty remarkable that the the agency would cave to pressure from the White House and not do something that is pretty fundamental, which is say that you are not supporting uh, Nazis. Yeah. Seems like a pretty easy choice to make. Pretty, pretty easy. (laughs) Not for Donald Trump. Not for this administration. Yeah. Pretty shocking. Historic in the... It just, uh, come on. Mm-hmm. Our country has its problems, and, mm-hmm. it, and it has, and it will. This is different. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'd love to know what you think. As always, um, sound off. The, the other thing, that, the big thing that happened this week is that Mueller filed paperwork relative to the sentencing of Michael Flynn and said that he gave substantial assistance to the government and recommends there be no jail time associated with his guilty plea. So uh, that is a big deal. We are doing the show on Thursday night. So Friday is when you're listening to this and there will very likely be action. There will be movement today on Friday relative to the Mueller probe. Uh, We are looking forward to it. And uh, the Michael Flynn left a lot to be desired because there was so much redaction in it, like it was a top secret document. And that is because it is not only a criminal issue that is being investigated, but also national security and legal experts all over the place are getting their two cents in there about exactly what everything means. The special counsel, again, saying that General Michael Flynn gave such good cooperation, so substantial, he should serve no time in jail. Now, how did we get here? 2017, Michael Flynn pled guilty to lying to the FBI, to the Department of Justice, about his contacts with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. Flynn has been cooperating ever since. The special counsel actually answers a very early informative question. Did Flynn cooperate right away? How much was he into cooperating? There'd been so much speculating and reporting that he was dragging his feet. He didn't want to cooperate. The special counsel says none of that speculation was true, that he was one of the first with long range understanding of the campaign and the interactions with Russia and other entities to come forward and to cooperate. So that's a key point. He also says something else in here, and I think we have it made up for you. You may take this as frustrating, but you should not. And I'll explain why. The special counsel says in the addendum. So there's the main memo that's largely background. We'll take you through it. Then there's the addendum, which has the specifics of what he cooperated on. Most of it, I would suggest that matters is redacted. I don't know if we have any pages. You know what redacted looks like. It looks like this. Okay, it's just black bars. What does that tell you? It tells you that this is not over. And what does this mean? Now we can put some meat on the bones of that. Because in this memo, the special counsel says that not only has General Flynn helped with the special counsel investigation into Russian interference, that's the main one, he's also been helping with a separate criminal investigation. Against who? About what? We don't know. It's all redacted. So common sense tells you the truth. He's got something else working. There will be more to come. Now, on that basis, you see a lot of suggestive language in these two documents that 
It's a little bit of a beware. We asked people for help. Not everybody wanted to come up. We've learned a lot of things anyway. They should be held to a very high standard. And this could be the first of a number of iterations of moves by the special counsel. So let's look at what's here. Let's look at what they got from Flynn. And let's look at where it leads. And that is where we are right now. Looking at where it leads. Waiting for where it leads. Because making a bunch of speculative, um, speculating wildly about this or that because of this particular language here and this particular language here within the sentencing guideline document, eh, doesn't really do any good. But we know where we are. He is being sentenced, and he has provided substantial help to the government, not only in the Russia investigation, but also a criminal matter. That's what we know. Mm-hmm. I predict, like I've said Often in all, uh, last episode, th- there are more, and there's going. It's going to be a pile on now. We're going to start seeing more and more indictments of people related to the Donald Trump team. And people, listen, this is the national security advisor of the nation. If he's giving up information, he's not giving up information on people below him. He signed a a, a cooperation agreement and a plea deal to give up people above him or at the very least laterally in power. Now, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean in the administration. That could mean other people, not just Donald Trump, but also ancillary characters who are directly in the orbit of Donald Trump. Yeah, and in fact, Andrew Napolitano, who is uh, a Fox News legal commentator guy. Yeah, the libertarian type. Yeah, and he has actually... He has been embroiled in controversy before uh, for, like, saying conspiracy theory type things. Yeah. uh, Like conservative conspiracy theory type things. So he tends toward being conservative guy. On the whole, he is for sure conservative. Yes. There is that weird libertarian element that kind of, it's like a horseshoe that kind (laughs) of comes around to a little liberal stuff Mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the realm of um, personal liberty. Yeah. What I'm saying here is he's not Jeffrey Tubin. Okay. Right. And well, he's on Fox News and has been maybe since its inception. Right. He was recently interviewed and they were asking him, whoever was interviewing him, about who he expects to be indicted. And they said Donald Trump Jr. And he said, yes, I expect Donald Trump Jr. to be indicted. And he said Donald Trump Jr. also expects to be indicted, that he has heard from people he knows um, in these circles that he runs in, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fox News circles. That uh, Donald Trump Jr. is talking to other people about how he expects to be indicted. So one thing that came out today is that the White House hasn't spent a lot of time formulating their response to the Mueller report, which they expect to drop soon. That's the other thing. Mueller's investigation is wrapping up and there is kind of this push toward looking for how they're going to deal with the aftermath of the report coming out. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen when the report comes out. He's going to give it to the attorney general. Um, We don't know if it will be made public. We don't know what's going to happen, how much of it is going to be released to the public. But Rudy Giuliani made a very interesting comment that I want to read. (laughs) Interesting. Yes, because the White House really, they they said they don't know how they're going to respond to the Mueller report, aside from Donald Trump just taking the lead and firing off some mean tweets, I guess. And... Hey, uh, this just in, Donald Trump. There's a good chance I may have committed some... (laughs) What? 
<laughs> so, you know, Donald Trump had to answer those questions from Mueller, his written responses. I mean, the really easy one. Oh, it's so easy. No big deal. My lawyers didn't prepare it. I prepared it. So easy. Exactly. So easy. Yeah, those ones. Yeah. So Rudy Giuliani said, um, quote, Giuliani said it's been difficult in the past few months to even consider drafting response plans or devote time to the counter report he claimed they were working on this summer as he and Trump confronted Mueller's written questions about the 2016 campaign. They're quote, preparing a counter report before there's even a report. Right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> quote, answering those questions was a nightmare, he told me, quote. <laughs> It took him about three weeks to do what would normally take two days. <laughs> oh, Rudy. How pleased would you be that your attorney is making the rounds with media outlets, making you look like a brainless turd? Yeah. Look, normally it takes someone about 90 seconds to wipe their butthole. But Donald Trump, it takes him like ah, 45 minutes. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, 90 seconds might be a little long of a stretch, too, but, you know. Depends on if you're getting in there. Um, <laughs> so I... <laughs> I am I'm never uh, I'm never surprised by Rudy Giuliani, but it is funny how they don't even care anymore because like you said Donald Trump did talk about how easy the questions were. He didn't need to consult with his attorneys. I'm writing the answers myself. I don't need my attorneys. Yeah, no they're not. They're not yeah. easy. You're terrified. You need to figure out what your story is because you don't want to get in trouble. That's exactly why it right. took you so long when it should have taken you two days. And I don't understand what Rudy Giuliani thinks everyone is going to think when they read that sentence. It's either Donald Trump's dumb and can't do things that he expects to be done in a certain amount of time because it takes Donald Trump longer to do those average things. Um, <laughs> or he's lying. He's taking a long time to craft his story to make sure that he he doesn't get in trouble and potentially his children don't get in trouble. Yeah. Well, listen, it's not just um, administration officials and Donald Trump and his legal team that are mired in um, inconsistencies. Sean Hannity this week advised people on his radio show relative to the Mueller probe to back the blue. Totally. I, we love law enforcement. Blue lives blue matter. Blue lives matter, everybody. Put my fist up in solidarity. My <laughs> brothers in blue always talk to the FBI. Mm. Always. The advice I have to give you now is don't talk to the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is in its entirety. Stop right there. So if you're like me and you grew up to revere an FBI mm, agent. Revere. And the FBI comes to your house and maybe some crime took place in the neighborhood and maybe you have a little bit of information, but you don't quite fully recall everything, but you're pretty sure you do. The advice I have to give you now is don't talk to the FBI. How awful is that? Because we, we want to help our FBI because we want to help them solve crimes. We're good people. We play by the rules. We obey the laws in the country. We pay our taxes. You know, we shovel coffee down our throat. We go work our 12, 14 hours a day. We make our kids their lunch. We make them our dinner. We do a little homework with them. And we, we put on Hannity and fall asleep at 10 o'clock Eastern time. 7 o'clock Pacific is okay, too. Nice no, we plug. Don't. That's no, the point. we don't. That's what everybody does. <laughs> we want to get the people that are doing bad things because there's enough of them. Anyway, so it goes through the nature of the crime. The nature of the offense and the defendant's history and characteristics are set forth 18 U.S.C. Uh, 3553A, in addition to the addendum to this 
memorandum describes the defendant's assistance to the government. That's all that they want to fixate on, which is all redacted, and it's all speculation. And I don't think anything of what we're hearing is true because it just none of it makes sense. But they get to jump the gun because they want this all to be, they want everybody to believe Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians. Their biggest problem in all of this is the election and the time frame was over. So that's Sean Hannity not being a hypocrite whatsoever. And I will provide evidence of his hypocrisy right now. Back in the day when it was the Hannity and Combs show, there was a period, and I believe it was in Philadelphia, where Fox News made a big deal about something that they were labeling like the no no snitching campaign. Because as everybody knows, Snitches get stitches. And this is Sean Hannity mm-hmm. completely in line with this quote. The advice I have to give you now is don't talk to the FBI. And hey, welcome back to Hannity and Combs. It's called the Stop Snitching Campaign, and it is taking urban communities by storm. The purpose, do not cooperate. All right, I'm going to stop it, and then we're going to replay. Urban communities, y'all, is code for black people yeah he has a photo of a black man behind him on the screen when he's talking so he's talking about black people here Mm -hmm. and welcome back to hannity and combs it's called the stop snitching campaign and it is taking urban communities by storm the purpose do not cooperate with police on a crime that you witness no matter how bad and the result is crimes across america are going unsolved and what makes this movement more disturbing is that this backroom code of silence is being marketed by big corporations and fueled by the rap music industry joining us now is temple university professor of urban and american studies dr mark lamont hill uh dr hill welcome back to the program here so the idea that you would witness even a serial killer and not say anything to police how widespread is that how widespread is that Dr. Mark Lamont Hill, I can't, I can't imagine why anyone would refuse to talk to the FBI or the police. Mm. After all, we have to support the boys in blue. Mm-hmm. The advice I have to give you now is don't talk to the FBI. <laughs> Unless you're Donald Trump or someone involving Donald Trump who might have information that could lead to an indictment or problems. For his orange emperor. Exactly. It's, I mean, you know what it is. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. It's ridiculous. It is wildly hypocritical. It's Sean Hannity and Fox News, so no one's really surprised by it. But this is happening all over the conservosphere. Is that a thing? It is now. (laughs) With their snacktivities. Oh, yeah. You know they got some good snacktivities over there. Do they? I don't know. I got nothing. Anyway, we we were going to talk about Heather Nauert, uh, this Fox and Friends former co-host who just got nominated to be the the UN ambassador from the United States. Yeah, I think she was a TV anchor like 12 months ago. Yeah, now she's the spokesman for for the State Department. Unqualified. I mean, I think she went to Columbia or somewhere solid. But that doesn't mean that you get to be or that you're qualified to be the, sec- the, the, the ambassador to the United Nations from the United. Anyway, we're not going to play the clip. But that's going on. We'll follow it. Maybe we'll talk about it next episode. Um, we wanted to move on because we've got uh, a couple of segments to, to end on.
is the asshole of today. CNN and food, babe. Yes. Now, can I say this? Mm -hmm. We get a lot of grief because we play a little CNN on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. We're not blindly loyal to CNN like they do no fucking wrong. Well, again, this goes back to the question that I was asked when someone was asking me about the media outlets that I follow. for sure. And there are select people that I have picked working at various organizations. And I like their writing. I like their reporting. I like the things that they post. Yeah. I like the people that that they post prop up and that they trust so i have kind of found my people that i rely on yeah, to get yeah. information from because listen if we tried to read everything out there and inform ourselves and try to dig through what's real and what's not that is kind of daunting it's a daunting task well it's beyond a full-time job you need a team of people right so it's yeah. kind of shorthand for me to find these people that i trust and then follow these people on twitter and kind of track the information that they are putting out there yeah so we we play a lot of CNN, yes, but we also appreciate certain people on CNN. Sure. Is what that comes down to. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, CNN, uh, Anna Cabrera was the host on during this segment. She had Food Babe on. And Food Babe, her real name is Vanny Hari. And she became famous through a couple of different controversies. She was the one who made people think that Subway bread was basically yoga mat bread. Do you yeah. remember that? Yes. Because she was critical of a perfectly safe food additive that they were using in the bread to make it foamy and like light. Yeah. And then she also was critical of Yellow 5, which is a safe coloring additive for food in Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. She's a nutter. She's a conspiracy theorist who is a know-nothing as well. We've talked about her on, on an episode. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll have to find what episode it is. Um, but she's also the one that went on the plane and wrote and did a video and talked about how the the there there are dangerous gases in the air while you fly, namely nitrogen, which is the majority gas that we breathe on planet Earth. It, she thinks we just breathe one hundred percent oxygen because she's a ding dong. So when CNN was looking for someone to talk to about the FDA's urgent warning about romaine lettuce and the E. coli breakout, they naturally booked Food Babe. To state where lettuce is from and when it is harvested. Also, I'm not going to be able to get through this whole clip, so we'll just, uh, we're going to call it quits as as soon as Brittany, Brittany and I can't take it anymore. To state where lettuce is from and when it is harvested. Vani Hari is better known as the Food Babes and joins me now. Vani, you study where our food comes from quite a bit. So how does an outbreak like this happen? You know, it is a really serious situation, especially when someone like the CDC comes out and says, throw away your romaine lettuce, do not eat it. And there are so many ingredients in the food supply that harm Americans every single day. But when the CDC comes out with a recommendation like this, you wanna take it seriously. And unfortunately, lettuce, anything that's raw, unfortunately cannot be washed off and you cannot wash off E. coli. E. coli is presented on lettuce and other raw fruits and vegetables by either contaminated soil, you know, E. coli is actually found in animal intestines. So it comes through, you know, manure or some type of sewage sludge that gets into the factory farm where this lettuce is being grown, or it can happen with a bird just simply dropping 
poop on lettuce and it's somehow you know being contaminated and then what is the worst part of the situation is that we do not have a supply chain check and balance in mm. place once your mm, romaine here. is grown and harvested it, it has so many different touch points of contamination possible you know that romaine is taken to one factory to get washed then another factory to get bagged and put into different bags of lettuces and then combined with other kinds of lettuce and every single time it gets cut or washed just different machinery. So there's so many different points of contamination that can happen. And if we don't know where our food is coming from, we can't really trust it. And so that's why when I go out and I buy romaine lettuce or any type of lettuce, I avoid the bagged and boxed lettuces and I really go for like the whole head of lettuce. Now, that's not going to always eliminate the entire risk because again, E. coli stays present and alive on raw uh, fruits and vegetables. So you go for the head versus bagged, and that's because it's less processed? Absolutely. And the, um, and the, so I don't, I really don't want to play the whole clip because <laughs> I was getting a little tired. It, it's, it's also just not useful information. It's nonsense. Yeah. So, but I wanted you to get an idea of what she is saying. And then I'm going to tell you what FDA people have said in response to this and how much more beneficial it would have been to have an actual FDA spokesperson booked right. on the show. So what she's describing there is not really how foodborne illness works. And according to a FDA spokesperson, quote, it's true that there are more points of contamination, but just because a whole head of lettuce is going through less steps... Shouldn't that be fewer steps? Yes. Between consumers and... All right, this guy's not credible. I know, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Between consumers and where it's grown does not make it necessarily safer than a bag of chopped lettuce. That's because E. coli can contaminate lettuce in the field, making the number of touch points irrelevant in a case. Yeah. To say the romaine went directly to a farmer's market from the field is safer than a bag of lettuce, that's not true. It's just stupid because... If 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 the lettuce has like E. coli on it in the field, then it gets bagged and it has E. coli on it in a bag. Yeah, but then oddly enough, she started into this rant about the overuse of antibiotics creating superbugs. Yeah, that was later in the clip. That can't be treated with antibiotics. And remember, this is a conversation about the E. coli outbreak with romaine lettuce. Yeah. And... According to the CDC, uh, this outbreak strain of E. coli does not appear to be resistant to antibiotics. Okay, so that is someone who leads the foodborne outbreak response team at the CDC saying that. A scientist. Right. And yeah. she said that antibiotics are not recommended for patients suffering from E. coli, quote, as it might increase their risk of developing um, a kidney failure. So these pathogens have existed for a long time and they're not new superbugs. Yeah. And that is completely irrelevant to the conversation. But it fits her narrative that she's trying to to get out there. So you go to her website and go to her Facebook page. And, you know, she's like that David Avocado guy who believes that the reason the, the, the water doesn't fly off the earth because it's spinning is because it's salt water. Mm -hmm. These are dipshit conspiracy theory, theory morons. 
So this was a four minute segment. Yes. And this is kind of what's bothering me because on CNN, they also have climate change deniers like Rick Santorum. Yeah. And not just that. Rick Santorum said that these climate change scientists are they wouldn't be in it without the money that they're making. Yeah. They're they're profit driven when he has received money from coal. Not not has received. He still receives. Right. And so now, before he speaks, CNN gives a disclaimer that he's receiving money from these organizations yeah, yeah, yeah. to give his comments context. But in his previous conversations That's on right. climate change, they were not doing that. Let me tell you something, though. If you're taking Rick Santorum's word on so- climate change, you're, you're also kind of a fucking moron. Because... He's even when he was in the Senate, we, we I was there when he was there. He was one of the dumbest guys. Yeah, but who's taking his word about climate change? Someone who is sympathetic to that view and wants to yeah. hear and wants to hear a confirmation of their worldview. Yeah, maybe. So. And uh, instead of hearing someone who's educated and has the necessary background to provide accurate information on the science, they're hearing some turd who's getting paid and also signed an NDA. Like I, I well, and I, also go ahead. I'm very frustrated by the fact that CNN is not propping up actual scientists to talk about these issues. Well, the thing is, is that Rick Santorum is also a paid um, contributor by CNN. So why can't if they can have Rick dumb guy Santorum on the payroll, why can they not have a climate scientist or two on the payroll at the ready when we are in a time where climate science is being talked about on a daily fucking basis? Mm-hmm. So asshole of today CNN, it doesn't mean we hate him, we won't listen to him, we won't watch him. Um but look, everybody has an asshole moment. Yeah. And this is theirs. We're not all perfect. We are not all perfect, says Brittany. Taking care of biz. In Ohio, dad, who made his daughter, his 10-year-old daughter, walk five miles to school... <laughs> In the December cold to teach her a lesson yeah. about bullying. Part of this is a good taking care of business, the dad. But I think this also could be a side asshole of today. All of the people who are like, you're abusing your child. So he videotaped her while she was walking to school. <laughs> and I think he did like a Facebook live where he was actually talking about it. Oh, or, he narrated Or it. maybe he just shared the video. I don't know. Um, but basically the girl has been banned from riding her school bus for the second time this school year because she bullied another student. She's a bully. And he wanted to teach her a lesson about her suspension from school, particularly about bullying. And she came home and she said, I got suspended from the bus. So you have to drive me to school now. And he was like, no, (laughs) that's not the way it works. Right. And during the video, he talked about a lot how a lot of parents might not agree with this, but it is all right because I'm doing what I feel is right to teach my daughter a lesson to stop her from bullying. Well, first, that's not why it's all right. Just because you feel it's the way to do things. That's not what makes it all right. What makes it all right is no harm is coming to the kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some did criticize the um, action that he took as being too harsh. Uh, But 
he believes that it served the purpose. He said that his daughter um, still has all her extremities intact and is happy and healthy. Quote, seems to have a new outlook on bullying as well as a new appreciation for some of the simple things in life she used to take for granted. Yeah, that sounds totally normal to me. She walked five miles to school. She didn't walk a marathon. And for those of who might have a problem with it, I'd love to know. In fact, we'll drop the number now. 657-464-7609. Email voice memos to I doubt it at dollamore.com. If you have a problem with a kid being forced to march five miles to school, would you have a problem with four miles? Three miles? Two miles? Is a mile too long? He also followed her in the car. Yeah, a half a mile. And if a half a mile's okay, how about three quarters of I mean, where where's the where's the where's the mark? Oh no. That's too much. That's child abuse. Well, I, and I'd be interested to see what people's responses are as well, because I don't feel like I know best. I, I think that this seems like a, a reasonable action to take. This is the second time it's happened. Maybe he did try to talk to her about bullying. They did try to have a conversation. It didn't work. Yeah. He is trying something else because he, he doesn't know what else to do. That That seems good. He's not harming her he's not attacking her he's not verbally abusing her he's trying to get her to spend some time thinking about what she did i the only question i have about this right now that's come to me and just came to me is i wonder how this was made public he put the video on facebook on facebook see that i do have a little bit of a problem like if her name gets known and then she becomes a pariah because of of the attention that this got. I don't think the action itself is a problem, but maybe the method by which this went viral is a problem. Maybe. No, I for sure agree with that. And you're the one who chose this taking care of biz, so it's your fault. <laughs> no, I'm just I think it's a good look. If you do this and no one finds out about it, kudos. But maybe, you know, don't fucking do something that goes viral. Well, and I hear a lot. But part of it going viral is going to maybe, maybe, you know, she's the the sacrificial lamb that causes a greater conversation to be had. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't watch the video. Either did I. uh, I don't know if he shows her face i don't think that he shows her face i'm kind of skimming through it now it looks like he's following her from behind and she's just walking Walking, right trying to get to school yeah so uh i don't know yeah there are some questions here yeah for sure ultimately though that's a good dad i think ultimately it seems like he definitely doesn't want her to be hurting people it wants her to be thinking about what she's doing yeah also maybe a little shout out to the school district for doing something about it for banning her from the yeah, school bus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You're I not do. putting up with that bullshit I on hear, the bus. I hear a lot of stories of people not having done about bullying at schools. So Too much we hear about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, there we're going to leave you. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'd love to hear from you once again. Agree or disagree, that is okay. That's all part of the conversation. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from those trusty smartphones in ye old pockets to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We will see you next time and until then, 
For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Guys, stop. Both of you are the shittiest part.